Right up front, I want to say that I'm quoting extensively from Raniero Cantalamesa's book, A Spiritual Commentary on the Letter to the Romans. Cantalamesa is a Roman Catholic cardinal, and his writing really gripped me. So the bulk of this is from his material. just wanted to give him credit. An angel, not a cute Cupid, not a Victoria's Secret angel, but a real terrifying incandescent luminous being from beyond our physical world sent by God, an angel appeared to the women on Easter Sunday morning as they were looking for a dead body. The angel said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. Why look among the dead for someone who is alive? This is our proclamation this Easter Sunday morning, our day of victory and joy. Jesus is risen and he is alive. The closer we come even today to this original way of announcing the resurrection, the more powerful the message is and the more deeply it touches the heart. We can easily imagine what happened after that angelic pronouncement. The women hurried down the hill, lifting their long skirts with their hands to run more quickly and breathlessly entered that upper room. Even before they started speaking, everybody could tell from their faces and their eyes that something unheard of had happened. And they started shouting all together at the same time, the master, the master, what? What, the master, what? Risen, risen, the tomb, the tomb, the tomb what? Empty, empty. The news was too big for the astounded women to keep to themselves or to tell quietly in an orderly way. It was new wine breaking old wineskins. The apostles probably had to raise their voices to calm them down. But meanwhile, a shiver had passed through their bodies. A sense of awe had filled the room and everyone in it. From that moment, the world would never be the same. The good news of the resurrection was starting its journey through history like a long, calm, and mighty wave that nothing and no one will be able to stop until the end of time. So to those of you who have come this far on your spiritual journey, to those of you who have gone through the dark night of suffering, I say to you today, my friend, Christ is risen. risen and to those of you who are at the beginning of your spiritual journey with many more steps of faith to go, to those of you attracted to this man, Jesus, the divine son of God, Jesus, I say to you, my friend, Christ is risen. Christ is risen and to those of you who are still seeking, still not sure, still on the fence, I encourage you to take a step towards Jesus today so that you may respond with joy leaping in your heart towards the risen Christ. You may not fully understand the resurrection of Jesus, you may want to wrap your mind around the resurrection. You may want scientific proof. You may have some doubts. 
There are people who have talked and written about Jesus Christ and studied themselves all the way up to the tomb which held the body of Jesus. They are poised at the brink of resurrection, but have not taken that next step, that leap of faith, which looks so big from the front, but behind us looks more like a hop. There are people who know a lot, but have not yet reached belief. Because in the end, the resurrection can never be completely understood, never be completely encompassed all around by the reasoning of our mind, being as it is the mysterious work of divine power and not a human work. And yet the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely central to salvation. We cannot have salvation without the resurrection. Our passage today is Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, and it shows us the way to faith. Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. So I proclaim to you on this Easter Sunday that salvation, becoming a whole, integrated, forgiven person who is in peace and in communion with their creator, salvation depends on faith in the resurrected Jesus Christ. Jesus passed from death into life and he opened the way for those of us who believe in his resurrection so that we too may one day pass from death into life. That historical man, Jesus, who lived 2,000 years ago, he actually died. And everybody agrees on this point that this man, Jesus, died. There's no mystery about his death. But our entire faith rests its whole weight on the fact that three days later, he was then raised again to life through the power of God. Celebrating Easter is celebrating the passage from death to life. For this actually happened to Jesus, and we celebrate his vindication that who he claimed to be was true. He claimed to be the beloved Son of God, the Messiah, come to rescue us from our sins. So I want to spend a few moments this morning thinking through some of the implications of the resurrection to bring hope and joy and love into our hearts as we believe in Jesus. Jesus loved you enough to go to the cross. Now we are used to thinking about what we get out of the resurrection. We know that Jesus loved us so very much that he died for us, that he gives us eternal life. We can't help thinking this way because it's true and because we are, after all, the center of our own universe, so Jesus' death becomes about me. But the resurrection of Christ is not only a question of apologetics, destined to give us pure proof of Jesus. It's not principally a demonstration of truth and power. It is not only the beginning of the church and a new world. All of this comes afterwards as a consequence of the resurrection. But God resurrected Jesus, not first of all for us, but first and foremost of all for Jesus himself. The resurrection is an act of infinite tenderness 
through which the Father, after the dreadful suffering of the cross, gives life back through the Holy Spirit to the dead body of his Son and makes him Lord. The resurrection is an act of the Trinity. It constitutes the peak of God's action in history, producing God's highest title. And from then on in the gospel, God is known as he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection is therefore, first of all, a gift of the Father to his beloved Son, in whom he is pleased. It was his embrace after the awful separation of the cross, an act of infinite fatherly tenderness. On the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? The resurrection of Christ is the cry of love with which God breaks his awful silence. Have you ever wondered what actually happened in the tomb? What did the resurrection look like? What would we have seen if we had been in the tomb? What would we have smelled? I think we would have smelled something. (laughs) What would we have touched? What would we have heard at the very moment of the resurrection where the dead body of Jesus was lying there and then boom, he's alive? Now, people have tried to imagine it, of course. This is one famous way, but it's a little bit too passive for my imaginings. This this artist, the next one, tried to capture the dynamism, the power of that moment of the resurrection. But the fact is, we do not know. Human witnesses didn't come until later on when the tomb was empty. No living creature was present at the moment of the resurrection. And in all of our imaginings about that tomb, we imagine Jesus being alone, don't we, in there? But the Father was there. The Holy Spirit was there. If we receive the later fruits of the resurrection in our own resurrection someday, those are the later fruits of the resurrection, the first fruits of the resurrection were all consumed between Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit in the most absolute intimacy. So imagine the cry of joy to his Father as Jesus was raised to life. And if God will one day wipe every tear from our eyes, what must have it been like when Jesus burst into life and hug the Father. Jesus gave his Father the gift of obedience even to death on the cross. And with the resurrection, the Father responded. He accepted the Son's sacrifice and was pleased with his obedience. This painting of the resurrection depicts Jesus as coming out from the tomb with a sort of flag of triumph in his hand while the soldiers are below him. He has more power than the soldiers. But the resurrection is a spiritual event, not a materialistic or a superficial event, and it's not for the kingdoms of this world. The Father put his spirit into 
Jesus and the sun returned to life and the tomb burst open as if it could not hold such life. Look at how Romans 8:11 holds the Trinity together in the resurrection. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, who is him who raised Jesus? That's God, the Father. If the spirit of the Father who raised Jesus the Son from the dead dwells in you, wow. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. The resurrection is, therefore, the work of the Father who, through the Holy Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead and made him Lord and Messiah. Resurrection power differs from creation power. And it's mind-blowing to think through the creation of the universe from nothing to the universe. The systems, the macro and micro systems, all the way creation hangs together, interconnecting the delight of creation I, I took a trip on the freeways yesterday, and I saw mountains, that hills that were green, where you know they're usually brown here in California. I saw a whole mountain that was orange with poppies. And I said, why does God spread all those poppies up there where we can't see them up close? I'm not going to go on a hike up there, you know? Just throwing his beauty down all over the place. And then there was, so there were green mountains, there were orange mountains, and there were white mountains that had snow on their peaks. It was just gorgeous. Some people I know, when they're feeling bad, or when they're unsettled, or when they're disgruntled, they go into nature and they interact with God's creation. And they breathe in the air, and they feel the sun, and they wiggle their toes in the grass, or they go for a hike, or a trail ride and they're restored internally. Creation has that power, that way of getting us out of that endless loop in our head, of getting us outside of ourselves and getting outside of our emotions. Creation is powerful, but resurrection is even more powerful. In resurrection, something that is dead and trampled and shattered beyond repair is raised up new, not erasing the suffering as if it had never happened. You know, Jesus still had the scars in his hand and his side from the cross. But resurrection redeems the suffering and makes it right after the wrong has been done. And that is more powerful than making something out of nothing, creating something new that never existed before. Resurrection, raising something that was mangled and dead, making wrongs right. That awesome power belongs to God alone. So let's just take a moment to think through some of the death that we have brushed up against. Think of the destruction left behind by natural disasters and earthquakes and fires and floods and tornadoes. I haven't had one every single week, practically. Entire neighborhoods flatten every week. There's a new storm, a new disaster, and we forget this week about Turkey and Syria's earthquake because we have a tornado in Mississippi to think about where the whole town was leveled. 
And we forget about that little town in Palestine where the train disaster occurred because a new one has crowded it out of our, out of our consciousness. And plus today is beautiful. It's sunny and it's warm. It's been such a long and cold season winter for us. We forget about that. Think about the suffering and the war and the violence and the destruction of whole communities and families, the awful humanly created disasters. We forget about the ongoing conflict in the Middle East that's been going on so long because now we have the war in Ukraine to think about. And we forget about the shooting in Monterey Park because now we have the kids in Nashville to think about. And we can't hold on to that whole backlog of suffering. But those people who bore the brunt of those events have not forgotten, and they have not rebuilt. And people from shootings five years ago have not yet rebuilt everything. Their long and difficult road to recovery takes years, and it may never be complete. No matter how much it's rebuilt, it will never be the same. Something has been taken that we don't get back. On a personal level, think about if you have loved, uh, uh, had a loved one pass away, and think about the helplessness of being utterly unable to do anything about it. The longing, the longing that it not be so. I wish this had not happened. I wish this was not true, and yet nothing anyone can do will reverse that death. We mourn the losses, the losses of relationship. We're angry over injustice and divisions and all of that belongs to the grip of death and it is a powerful grip. Resurrection power brings life out of death. Resurrection power makes wrongs right. This Eastern Orthodox painting of the resurrection shows Christ radiating divine energy going resolutely down into Hades. You see Hades down there at the bottom? He takes Adam and Eve by the hand and he pulls them out of the underworld while behind the first two parents forms an unending line of the just from the Old Testament who are following them towards the light. The outstretched hands of Christ affirm that they are facing a new exodus out of death and decay. God himself has come to free his people with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. This is proclamation in color, the resurrection not spoken, but shown, it withdraws the veil and puts us in contact with the invisible reality of Christ's resurrection. Resurrection power brings life out of death. I don't know how impossible that feels like, but that's the power of resurrection, to bring life out of death. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand 
and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. That's our future and our direction, sharing the glory of God. By resurrecting Jesus, the Father did not just give us real proof of him, but he gave us also a living hope. The resurrection is not just the foundation on which the truth of Christianity is based, it's also the power that nourishes hope from within. There are two resurrections. There is a resurrection of the body, which will take place on the last day, but the resurrection of the heart takes place every day and it can be practiced now. It's not true that everything will continue inevitably as before and that there will never be anything new for us on earth because ours is a God of resurrection power and Jesus can free us from any state of spiritual bondage and death. He can cry out to you and to me here and now as he cried to Lazarus in the tomb, come out. Let us therefore take hold of the Savior's outstretched hand as Adam and Eve do in that painting and let us also rise with Jesus. And can you say in faith with me, for Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God, you know our struggles with things that go wrong, with death, with decay, with things that have not turned out well, with choices that we made or with uh, hurts that other people have caused us. God, you know our wrestling here in the mud of this earth. You know our brushes with death. You know all those little losses that amount to a great big sadness in our hearts, God. So I want to ask you today that as we come to you in faith, that as we accept your son Jesus, his death and his resurrection, that as we accept the forgiveness that he hands out to us, that you would raise us up today in your resurrection power. We look forward to the day when we will see this happen to our bodies also, but we ask you for that spiritual resurrection today because you are a God of power. In your name we pray, amen.